Hey, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the hardback Wizards of the Coast published adventure, Rime of the Frostmaven. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You too can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish. It gives you access to a whole bunch of exclusive content, but most importantly, it helps me keep shows like this going. So thank you very much. So last week, uh, we were ending the uh, the good mead, the mead must flow quest. Uh, so we are in chapter one of Rime of the Frostmaven. And uh, they had traveled to Goodmead. They had dealt with um, some the, the the cult of, of the, the the children of Oral, uh, uh, the cult who's actually running the uh, uh, you know they have they have members in all of the towns, and they are the ones that are actually running the lottery. Uh, this is a change I made from the published adventure. In the published adventure, the the town speakers are the ones that are controlling the lottery. I didn't like the idea that the local government is in charge of murdering people. It's just like that's a little too. I know it's supposed to be a dark, sinister adventure, but it's like it means you're gonna hate them, right? And you're never gonna work for them. And like, you know, if you have heroic characters, the best thing they can do is 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 you know disrupt the entire government of Icewind Dale. So instead, I said no. The town speakers are sort of helpless to to deal with it. But it's really being done by the children of Oral, this cult that exists all throughout Ten Towns. And many of the members of Ten Towns are part of the cult, right? Or at least uh, accept the cult. So they dealt with that. They learned about the stolen mead. They traveled and found the Verbeeg's lair. And at the beginning of the last session, they were, uh, they were figuring out how to infiltrate the lair. Uh, so they infiltrated the lair. They found the ogre inside the lair. They killed the ogre very quickly. Uh, they were working to get the uh, mead out, and they had to deal with the verbeeg. They managed to trap the verbeeg inside of this really narrow passage uh, that led uh, where the where the um, the regged barbarian uh, crypts were, uh, and that meant they had advantage on him, and he had disadvantage on attacks because he's all squeezed in there. So they managed to kill him, and they were getting out the mead, and they heard uh, the other verbeeg. Uh, coming in and quickly like snuck out with their big cart full of mead. Uh, they let all the animals free and the, the other Verbeek was running, chasing all around the animals and then found their dead friend. And uh, the party got away with um, uh, the party got away with the mead. So um, their next step, they, 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 they accepted the quest to head to Dugan's Hole, the next stage of the adventure, uh, to figure out why animals are um, kidnapping children. Like, that's weird. So so that's the current step. So uh, to get our game prepped today, uh, I'm going to generate a new session planning template. As always, I'm using Notion uh, to manage my campaign. You can find links in the show notes below. Uh, you can, if you're in Twitch right now, uh, I will fire up the thing. And you can click and learn about how we use Notion. Uh, those of you in Twitch, throughout this show, people will regularly pop in and say, hey, what tool is he using? Uh, if you could just type exclamation mark Notion, uh, it will pop up that same thing and tell him, Mike is using Notion, and here's a link to learn more. Uh, so we generate a new session planning template. By clicking on that, that opens up a new session template. Do, 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 waiting for Notion. There we go. And we, our notes today are 14 March, 2021, Sunday, Frostmaven. So the first thing we will do, we screwed up last week and forgot to review the characters till the very end. So today we're going to review them right away. We click the characters and we have our six characters. Uh, we have Ilda. Ilda is a half elf, half Goliath who is growing into herself. Uh, she is a half elf, half Goliath barbarian. Her parents are actually rich members of the children of Oral, but she hasn't seen them in a couple of years, and she's trying to avoid them and trying not to be seen. And uh, she's she's kind of an uh, awkward and quiet uh, until um, until she goes into a rage, and then she starts beating the hell out of people. She's kind of enamored with Perrin Fat Rabbit, one of the other characters. So whenever Perrin makes a decision, uh, Ilda follows that decision. Uh, which is very interesting. We, a lot of times, will do votes on things. I, I have a little poll program that I use in Discord. So we can, like, if, if people are discussing one option or the other, I'll do a quick poll and say, you know, here are the options that you guys have said. 
you know, click yes or no. And that way we can see roughly like almost, you know, a bunch of people are quiet, but everybody voted four out of six said we should go this way. Is everybody okay if we go that way? And the other two that don't. And they say, yeah, that's fine. Then we go that way. Anyway, whatever. She always watches to say, what did Perrin vote for? I'm going to vote for the same thing. Very funny. Uh, she has an acolyte background because she was a former member of the Children of Oral. That certainly did come into play. Uh, we have Auken Dawncaller. Auken is a, uh, a Goliath uh, member of the uh, Worm Dune Goliaths. This is certainly going to come up in Chapter 2 when, when they're dealing with the Goliaths. Uh, dreamt of a massive, strange black structure, a city buried under the ice. I wonder what that could be. Uh, I definitely think we're going to put some Mind Flayery stuff uh, in, in this one. I, I, I definitely want to have some Mind Flayer things going on. So, uh, Fighter, Goliath Fighter. It's a lot of melee in this one. Two, two, good, two good pieces of melee. Shadowhawk. I need to figure out Shadowhawk's uh, uh, um, house from Menzo Baranzen. Um, so Shadowhawk is a uh, former, uh, uh, former member of Menzo Baranzen who left after uh, an incident that got him into trouble. So drow assassins are hunting him down. Likes to stay hidden. He has uh, 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 hands that are cold as ice frozen hands he's being hunted by a noble family for a, a, a slight he committed um uh he picked up a griffin egg from a infested griffin who had like a uh, mind flayery stuff going on and i think inside is like a baby mind flayer griffin probably one of those little mind flayer tadpoles so i i think the the, the thing i want to do and i hope i'm not picking on the character too much i want to have him wake up one day and the egg is hatched and the thing is gone and he doesn't know what's going on, but he can still detect thoughts. So he, because he has this thing, he's able to cast the spell, detect thoughts once a day. And I think he's still going to be able to detect once you know, detect thoughts, but I think it's because he's slowly turning into a mind player because that sounds fun. Uh, I don't know if the player will like that though. He might really, if he finds out that that's what's going on, he might fixate on the idea that I have to get rid of that. Gore Wan Alcazar. Uh, Gore is a merchant, uh, trickster cleric, uh, half-orc merchant uh, who traveled along the Sword Coast, ended up coming to uh, uh, Icewind Dale, and that got frozen here. Uh, he is a rival of the um, uh, rival of the uh, uh, what's the merchant caravan group that deals in Icewind Dale, in which Sephic Caltro is a member. Um, Jerome, Jerome, um, Torg. So he's a rival of Torg's, right? And, and, um, and so he hears about where Torg's is going. I'm trying to draw the clue together that Torg's and the, uh, Torg's and the, uh, um, the deaths, uh, are tied together. And so they can figure out, ah, you know, it's sort of a clue that I'm trying to figure out. Uh, Perrin Fat Rabbit is a um, kind of a custom race. He's clearly got some psionic stuff going on. Uh, Perrin is a um, mentor of Ilda, uh, who is a prior uh, customer, uh, paranoid perfectionist loner and conspiracy theory person. Saw a weird comment. There are aliens, man. Something's not quite right. There are eyes everywhere. Uh, is a hunter and trapper. Uh, and had uh, hazy dreams of being kidnapped by an alien race and then crashed down into the ice. So maybe there's two people that could become mind flayers. I don't know. Uh, Candle in the Dark uh, is a um, tabaxi rogue who originally from Waterdeep who has fled from the Xanathar and is being hunted by, uh, hunted by the Xanathar. I, I, I imagine, so there's a movie called True Romance that was written by Quentin Tarantino. Um, it was before he became a big director. Uh, it stars... Um, uh, Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, and they are uh, a couple on the run, a couple on the run who steals a bag of cocaine and runs across the country to try to sell it and, and make their make their money. And there's a wonderful scene at the end where they're in this room trying to sell the drugs to this producer, and the producer has these two like mercenary bodyguards with machine guns. And then the cops all burst in and the cops are screaming at the bodyguards. The bodyguards are screaming at the cops. And then the other door bursts in and a bunch of mob guys show up. And one dude is just like, it's all quiet as there's like 14 guys with machine guns in this tiny room. And one guy's like, holy shit. Right. And, and I want, I think, I think it'd be fun to have a scene like that where 
assassins from Menzo Baranzen and assassins from the Xanathar's Guild both show up at the same time and break in on the characters. And they're like, uh-oh. And it just turns into this crazy bloodbath. I think that might be a fun scene. I'll put that in the back of my mind. Keep that handy. So uh, that are those are the characters. Uh, so let's go back to our notes. And we can go, did we review the characters? Yes. Uh, strong start. So I think... Um, it's, it could be a bit, it could be a bit much, but because like, how would she have tracked them? But I think it could be fun, uh, for the, for, uh, what's her name? Let's go to our, uh, uh, have them fight a real Verbeek, right? So if we go back to the Mead Must Flow, her name wasn't Fran or something. Uh, ga gag. Gag the Verbeeg. Um, you murdered him in a tiny little hole, you bastards. Uh... And I think we're going to have a knockdown drag out fight with a Verbeeg as the strong start. Uh, and she has, she still has her basket of weird parts and the parts are from a crashed nautiloid, right? So, uh, uh, has, uh, black metal parts from a crashed From a crash nautiloid. I have no idea how to spell nautiloid. Whatever. Um, so the cool bit there is I think the characters, like two of the characters might look at it and see it kind of swirling. Hey, thank you. Barefoot. Look at it. Thank you. Oh, it's so nice to have people on Twitch to help me out. Um, there we go. Um, so I think like facing a Verbeeg on their way, it's a strong start. Verbeeg's a really hard character, you know, really hard creatures. Uh, 12 damage, they do some crazy amount of damage on a hit. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, then they're going to reach Dugan's Hall, uh, which is filled with paranoid people. Um, uh, so, uh, Dugan's Hole, the people, Dugan's Hole are isolationist. Uh, only a few caravans make it down there, including, um, including, uh, what's his name? Um, as soon as I close the door, the cat's like, oh, I want in there now. I haven't wanted in there all day, but now I want to be in there. Uh, including, um, uh, what's it called? God, I can't, I can never remember the name of the stupid caravan. Torgs. Um, I am skipping all of the crazy inbred mutant stuff, all of the uh, incest things. That's weird and gross, and I don't want it in my game. So I'm ignoring all that. And instead just making them paranoid, you know, paranoid people. Uh, their children, uh, two of their children have been kidnapped by dire wolves. The dire wolves told them to meet at the old, and we'll, we'll come up with a monument, a fun monument. Uh, the frost giant totem, the, the frost giant skull. Uh, with half of their food stores. If they give that up, many more will die 
Uh, two of the children have been kidnapped by dire wolves. Um, so they go to Dugan's Hall, filled with paranoid people. Uh, they get the job. Uh, they learn about the kidnapping dire wolves. Uh, they meet with the wolves. Uh, head to the giant. Let's say the titan skull. So we won't make it a giant. We'll make it a titan. The old titan's skull. Uh, they head to the frost giant. Uh, what's it called? It's like a lair. Talk with Norsu. Get the kids. Return. Pretty straightforward, and we'll look at the we'll look at the quest itself. Uh, so uh, a druid, a druid, a frost druid, uh, with a white with white paint across her eyes, uh, awakened the wolves and the frost giants, mammoth, Norsu. Um, the druid plans to awaken many more creatures and has done so. The druid, uh, name is Ravison. Druid's name is Ravison, I think. Ravison the Frost Druid. She seeks vengeance against the people of ten towns. She plans to cut them off uh, from cut off trade between towns and then eventually invade from the smaller towns upward. Uh, that ties all into the Lonely Wood quest that's coming up. Um, so now uh, one important piece, uh, one important secret that I have to fire up is um, Torgs. So we need the tor. We're going to have a separate section here. Uh, uh, Caltro's timeline. Uh, so Sephic Caltro uh, is a is murdering people in ten towns who are violating Oral's. Um, uh, oh, here's a secret. A month ago, five people were murdered the same way as the one in uh, Bryn Chander after they violated the um, sacrifices of Oral. So this happened a month ago too. Um, so Sefik's timeline is he started in Dugan's Hole uh, so we'll start in Bryn Shander. Bryn Shander, uh, in Bryn Shander, uh, this is hard. In Bryn Shander, uh, murder, Sephic murdered, uh, two people. Let's go to a new window here. Um, cause I think I wrote down who they were. I always forget these names. I suck at it. And you can't, when you're doing like a murder investigation, you, you, the, the, the timeline needs to be pretty solid because the players are going to use it. Um, the players are going to use it to uh, uh, figure things out. So let's see. I don't know if I have the... Um, Uh, I really should have had a separate section just for this because there's names I've got to figure out. Uh, so let's go to, I got to go to my old session notes and we will start with the first like Sunday 
the first Sunday game note. So um, let's look at, we'll do this. Let's, we'll start at the seventh and see if I had anything useful in there. Uh, ah, so here we go. Uh, let's see. I, I had a timeline. Um, and I didn't put their names in there, but I already have the timeline, so that's good. Uh, so we're gonna what we're gonna do is I'm gonna add this to. It's like I could have a separate page or anything. I'm just gonna add it to Cephex, um page, right? So these are, this is the timeline. It was about a 10 day ago. So it started, I, I have to kind of count back from when the characters did it, right? And yeah, so about a 10 day ago was in Dugan's Hole, uh, an old man. Uh, so let's go back to our uh, regular notes. Uh, a 10 day ago, uh, and we'll give the guy a name. Um, let's go to names. Uh, Elwis Nightchewer. Malin Silvertouch. That's a good name. Uh, Attendigo, Malin Silvertouch uh, said he was leaving town. Uh, or uh, lit a fire out of town on the night of the new moon in which Dugan, Dugan's hole uh, was to remain cold. He was found the next morning sliced open with a icy dagger in his heart. Perfect. Um, Torgs was in uh, Dugan's Hall a 10 day ago uh, on the night of the new moon. I think that's about right. Um, so I think that fits. I think that gives enough for them to figure out that Torgs is tied to, uh, let's see, we can have another secret. Torgs was on the way to Targos and um, what's the other town, Tourmaline. Um, after leaving Bryn Shander when the characters headed to uh, Goodmead. So that gives, I think that's enough secret, and that's enough clues for the characters to recognize that Torgs is connected to the murders. They don't know who, but they can figure that out. And that they're in opposite directions. That, like the characters went south when Torgs was going north. And then as they're going south, they're figuring out, wow, Bryn Shander, Goodmead, and Dugan's Hole all had murders. And this is the the one in Dugan's Hole was 10 days ago. The one in Goodmead was about four days ago. The one in Bryn Shander was when we left. And that was when they're going on. So you, you want to have just enough. And and it, I'm not great at these timeline things. I'm not great at getting it all all wired up, but I think it's I think it works. Uh I think that'll work close enough. So uh what else oh there's god there's other secrets uh the standing stones outside of uh dugan's hall have been there for thousands of years they are known as the standing stones of thrun um no one knows what the hell a throne is. Uh, some say a mysterious elf 
in tattered clothes can be seen dancing among the standing stones. Uh, Thrun is an ancient elder evil said to be imprisoned deep in the spine of the world. Uh, Thrun's prison weakens uh, as light um, Thrun's prison weakens as darkness remains in the land. So another little side plot. Um, my other group kind of picked up on this stuff and it was fun. So I'm going to drop it in here too. Boy, I have a lot of secrets. Oh, that's, that's too many secrets. No more secrets. Too many. Um, Titan Skull. Uh, Standing Stones of Thrun. These are the fantastic locations. Hey, we haven't seen Sly's mom show up today. I hope all is well. My mom says, hi, all. I'm late. Standing Stones of Thrun is the location. I gotta let my, I gotta let my cat in. Cat always wants to be wherever he can't be. Uh, we have the uh, giant, uh, what's it called? Um, cats, man. Cats. Hold up. The Giant's Lodge, the giant, Frost Giant's Lodge. Uh, and uh, uh, Dugan's Hall. So along the road between Goodmead and uh, Dugan's Hall, it might be fun to have a location. So let's go to my uh, random uh, Icewind Dale monuments here. Uh, a buried charred geode of the Arcane Brotherhood. Ivy-colored decorated mausoleum of Oral. That's kind of cool. An old ivy-covered mausoleum. I don't know about Oral. Uh... Necrotic Ruined Barrow. Look, they're all of Oral. Uh, I guess we'll make an ivy color decorated shrine. But who will it be of? Let's do a different god. Uh, I clearly am... Uh, uh, so Tempest could be one. Uh, Cyric, ooh. Oh, could we have a Cyric one? No, because I don't. Although it would be kind of interesting if it was like an old shrine and there's like uh, somebody worships Cyric here. Um, Malar, who's Malar? Gond, we'll go with Gond. Gond is the one that does like mechanics and stuff. Uh, Timora. Yeah, how about the Lady Luck? Uh, but somebody worships Cyric there. S-Y-R-I-C. What if the assassins, a group of assassins have made it to 10 towns that are hunting for um, 
that are hunting for our uh, uh, for candle. Um, and candle knows that there's like a assassin priest yeah very regis a storyline that worked well for salvador exactly right. and i've got two of them because i've got assassins from menza baranzan and i've got assassins from the xanathar and i think the xanathar assassin i like the idea of like a, a of a priest rogue who worships Cyric and has come to town uh, you know, that has been hired. Uh, that might be a fun one. And left, what's a, uh, let's, is there an interesting Cyric thing? Um, uh, what is, Cyric? so there's Cyric's like, uh, the holy symbol. Um, What would be like black rose petals? Uh, Self-flagellant albino. I was actually thinking of the assassin priest in the movie um, uh, Elizabeth. So in the movie Elizabeth, the Catholic Church sends an assassin into uh, England to kill the queen. And it's played by... Um, What's his name? Uh, guy who plays James Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig plays him, and he's a he's a cool guy. Um, let's see if I can find him. Uh, let's see if I can find a picture of him. Yeah, there's a picture of him. Look at that. Look at that picture. Uh, see, it's fun to make new NPCs. So let's make a new NPC. And this guy's name, let's find a name for him. Uh, uh, Gerland. Uh, let's find, let's find a good name. Weston, we'll go with Weston. New page in Frostmaiden database. Uh, we need another cool name for him. Assassin priest sent from the Xanathar to Icewind Dale to murder Candle. Uh, Fenister Black Cloak. Weston Black Cloak? Um, what was his name in that movie? John Ballard was his name. We could take Shakar, named after the director of the movie, because that's a pretty great name. Uh, Shakar Blackcloak. Blackcloak's a little too on the nose. Uh, Needlemaker, Wormtooth, Spirit Lover, White Laughter, Dust Glove, Gust Sorcerer, Grave Soother, Gravel Soother, Goose Bottom. Uh, <clears throat> Ebon Chaser. Ebonheart. Shakar Ebenhart. That's pretty good because he's cold. He openly worships Cyric, but not. They probably. I don't think he openly worships it. Um. Candle killer. <laughs> Ballard. Shakar Ballard. The Ebenhart. Uh. In the order of uh, giving your villains multiple nicknames, uh, 
Um, skull kisser. Uh. Ebenhart Skullbrand is another name he's given. Um, and another another cool name. Yeah, he needs a front man. I don't know. Does he have a front? He probably does, right? Uh, the Ebenhart Skullbrand and something else. What's another uh, fun name for the guy? Chainbreaker. Perfect. Um, and he needs a uh, front man. So front man uh, should be like a, uh, a, 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 a can be a, can be kind of a dumb song belly, Hemathia sound song belly. Gygus Northkin. Gygus is a pretty fun name. Um, this is my trick for adding a new entry uh, in the database. Uh, so NPC villain, uh, I forgot to backlink this guy. This guy also is an NPC and the villain. Um, and then Gygas needs a last name. Um, yeah, and the fact, I think him being a halfling would be pretty, gr pretty great. Gygas Greenhood. I already forgot the same guy, the Ebenhart. Uh, so they work as a team, and and um, Gygas, uh, Gygas is the one that hangs out in bars and stuff like that. Uh, Paul Bearer, I don't know who Paul Bearer is. Uh, okay, I've got enough. So, um, uh. The thing about Skullar is leaves, what, he worships Cyric, right? And leaves petals of a black rose, of a dead black rose on his altar. So now we got a double strong start, right? That was like a lot of deep stuff all of a sudden. Um... But we got two part strong start at altar at a shrine to what did we say it was? Uh, Tamora. The characters find three water Davian gold dragons from. Um, what was his name? You know, I suck so bad with names. Like I just made him and I already can't remember his name. Sh uh, oh, I need to fix that. Guy guess, right? Um, and a skull surrounded by not uh what slivers of night did he what did he do scratches on the altar can't remember the other guy's name either Shakar, S-H-E-K, Shek. There he is. Both from Waterdeep to hunt down the candle. 
Cool. And then, so we got a little fun character connection with Candle going on. Uh, boy, I'm overdoing this one. Big ass strong start, like 38 secrets and clues. And now I got another secret and clue, right? Sheck and uh, Gygaz uh, have come to Icewind Dale um, to hunt down Candle. That secret and clue probably should go up because it's going to happen. Da, da, da. Put a number one. Next week's prep will be easy. Maybe. This isn't hard, right? I just, my mind goes off in their direction and off we go. So we got Shakar Ballard. We've got Guy Gaz. Uh, NPCs. We have Gag. Uh, we need other ones. The town speaker. So there's there's a few that we need for um, uh, Dugan's Hole. We should probably hyperlink this just so we have it handy. Whoops. Uh, and in Dugan's Hole, the town leader is... Uh, Egra Dermut, a trapper. Uh, we also need a member of the... Oh, so uh, another one uh, is this crazy, crazy dude, Father Limek. So who's Father Limek? Father Limek is a f follower and worshiper of Thrun. I love this picture so much. Look at him. He's like, check out that crazy moon over there. That's Thrun, man. I filed my teeth down. By the way, ignore this dead hand right next to me. So that dude is coming out. So we'll put him in here. But he's a follower of Thrun, not. He's the only cultist of Thrun. He's the caller of Thrun. He is Thrun's uh, front man. But we also need uh, probably, there's probably only one member of the cult of the children here, uh, a low-ranking member of the, the, the children, uh, Christian, Christiana Beast Stinger, um, Jolessa Bright Laughter. Well, I like Jolessa, so we're going to keep that. Um, uh, Jolessa Tallheart. Um, Storm Soother, uh, Child of Oral. Uh, so she has a small shrine. Uh, uh, where she speaks from. Um, so that's a good one too. Then, hey, we have the actual adventure, right? All this subplotting going on. This is what happens. Like you, you just grab onto your own subplots and off you go. And now I've got like 38, all these things I made up, right? Like Shakar Ballard, the Ebonheart, Guy Gas Greenhood, that I made up. Gaga is actually in the adventure. The speaker's actually there. Father Limek and Thrun, I'm making all that up. The Children of Oral, I'm making all that up. So half of the adventure is already crap I'm making up on my own rather than things that are um, actually in the book. So we actually have to pay attention a little bit to stuff that's in the book. Some of you are listening to this because you want to learn how to run it. And it's like, I'm not helping because I'm just doing my own stuff. So in Hold Up, we have the wolves. Uh, so in the, in, the, in the adventure, it's two winter wolves. Two winter wolves is nut nutballs at second level. So we make them dire wolves. And it just it also it makes them awakened, right? So winter wolves already have intelligence. It's more interesting to learn about the awakened wolves if they are winter wolves or dire wolves who are awakened. So I like uh 
Uh, I like changing winter wolves to dire wolves, but the names are cool. Corin and Kanan are fine. Um, and then Norsu, right? Those are really the NPCs in this adventure. So reading is so hard. Uh, so you know, you're saying like, this isn't lazy. The thing about like a lazy campaign is it's fine to sort of go off on your own and let your mind wander and make things. It's not like I'm not, I don't have to do any of this, right? Like I'm just adding it because it's fun. I'm not, I'm not, I don't need it. But the other thing is like, this is also, I think, a good example of spiral, spiral campaign development. All of this stuff with um, Gygas and Shakar are built from a character that's built from the background of, of, of Candle. That's Candle's thing. Candle said, I'm the one who escaped and I'm worried about my parents. Well, guess what? You better effing worry. There's a priest of Cyric here getting ready to kill you. Right, that's directly tied to a character. They're certainly going to be interested in that. Uh, the whole thing with Father Lymic and the Collar of Thrun is because of the Standing Stones of Thrun. Right, it's a place that's right there, and you can see it. And I'm pretty sure I did. I had players who were interested in it, and I was like, "They're going to go." So that's one horizon out. Right, it's right over there. It's not. I'm not talking about crazy what happened here a thousand years ago. This is like things that are going to happen today. So all of these things are built from the position of the characters outward. Uh, which is how spiral campaign development works. Now, half of it is stuff I made up. Children of Oral. There's a reason why they're here. There's a reason for their history. And it's because otherwise, the, why are the people killing each other, right? So the book is good for a skeleton. All of this is connective tissue. Yeah, so, and I think that this is something that, uh, that Rhyme of the Frost Maiden does well, is it builds a framework that lets me expand it in areas that are fun for me, right? And, and, I'm, and I think if you get nothing else from this, you can see how that works how that part of it works that like oh there is all this room in here there are all of these different things there's mind flayer stuff that you can throw in here there's you know weird crazy cult stuff sam dylan uh wrote a whole uh cult uh, cult of oral thing for the dms guild um so check that out if you want to add the cult of oral he likes the cult of oral too he added in a whole thing about uh tor um what's his name targo not targos or torg uh what the hell's the name of it the crazy crawling god from fourth edition i think it's from fourth edition so he added a whole thing about that god um so there's a lot of room uh torog yeah all these torogs yeah, so torog is who he added and so he added all his stuff that he digs right he's like i don't want to you know i want to pull this part out he didn't want to have a bunch of masmodia stuff because he thought that was boring i don't know what i'm going to do about asmodia stuff i'll worry about that when i get there uh, but in the meantime um, he added Torog and that works for him. So like there's, there's one thing this adventure has done well is it's abbreviated enough and has enough hooks that you can add all kinds of your own campaign stuff in here and still have a framework to run. And that's where we're running. So let's talk about Corin and Kanan and Norsu. Um, well, let's finish our mind. Dire walls. Uh, we have a, uh, Verbeeg. Uh, we have a mammoth. Uh, we have kobolds. Good enough. Uh, treasure. I don't know. I'll figure out treasure in a bit. So, oh, let's fix my scratch pad here. Um, I need that. And I need uh, that. So I've got my initiative and I've got my marching order notes all ready to go. Um, so, yeah, so how does this adventure play out? So how it plays out is the characters learn from the people of Dugan's Hole that uh, two children have been kidnapped by direwolves. The direwolves did not eat the children, which is what they would have expected to have happen. Instead, the direwolf came back and said, we have your two kids. If you want them returned, you bring us, you know, 200 pounds of meat on a cart and you bring it back to the Titan skull. I'm adding the Titan skull, right? Bring it back to the Titan skull. And the people are saying, like, look, we love our kids, but if we give up 200 pounds of our food stores, we're going to starve to death. A, a lot of us are going to starve to death. We don't have enough food. And the other towns are busy with their own problems and can't help us with this. So we need our kids back more than we need those dire wolves. So then the characters go to the Titan Skull. They meet the dire wolves who say, like, where's our meat, right? And the characters can figure out how to deal with this. And they say, where's our meat? And they say, you know, whatever they say. And if the characters, like, want to fight the direwolves right there uh, and attack them, and maybe the direwolves are commanding some regular wolves, too, so that there's a little bit. So we'll have actual wolves. Um, direwolf, a couple, two direwolves. Uh, let's, oh, so let's, let's do our uh, encounter benchmark. 
Uh, so I have six third level characters. I think they would reach third after this. So they're still second level. So six second level characters is 12. 12 divided by four is three. So the lazy encounter benchmark tells me that uh, if it's more, if the sum total of monster CRs is th greater than three, it's deadly. Uh, let's go to the encounter builder. Uh, and let's take a look at like what a deadly encounter looks like. Collections, my encounters. We will create a new one. We will call this uh, dire walls. And we will, uh, we have, let's see, number of characters. We're gonna manage characters. And we are going to go to Sunday D&D. And that is it. Why didn't that work? Uh, there we go. Average party level 1.8. Oh, that's because this guy is... Um, Shadowhawk is actually second level. Uh, so let me do a, a quick thing here. The, the collections, characters. I think I have a. I made a Shadowhawk. So I have one player who doesn't use Beyond, and so I make a. Um, uh, I make a sheet for him, uh, just so I can manage this kind of stuff. So Dire Wolf. Uh, add. And we will do two of them, and then Wolf. And we will close that and we will add. So uh, wolves are CR one quarter. So four wolves. Uh, yeah, look at that. It turned it right into hard. So two dire wolves are two, four regular wolves make a third. And the total is six creatures. Uh, I'm gonna push, because they have six characters, they use a physical sheet. Yeah, he uses a physical character sheet. And physical dice. That's just how he. That's how he rolls. He runs. He plays off of a phone, so it would be kind of hard to do all this stuff. Uh, we're gonna throw two more wolves in there. So we're gonna have two dire wolves and six regular wolves. And only the dire wolves are awakened. But that'd be a nice hard fight. So like they go there and they see that there's like six wolves and two dire wolves. The dire wolves command the regular wolves. Um, that that pushes it into deadly. Right, so the uh, a deadly fight is eleven hundred experience points. Adjusted is fourteen hundred, so it's slightly hard. Uh, Thirteen, you know, as soon as you get to nine, that's where it goes. You know, I'm pushing it into deadly, but I know I'm pushing it into deadly, and that's okay. They they deserve some. They deserve a hard fight, I think. Uh, if the pacing isn't right and I feel like things are getting slow, I could just drop it to two. I could drop it by two. Uh, oh, they could howl and have six wolves show up on the second round. That might be kind of cool. Yeah, I could add that in. Or maybe they howl and more come. So maybe it starts off with four uh, and then more show up, right? Two more. That's a good way to do it. That's a very Matt Colville action-oriented monster approach. Uh, so we got the Furby. So, um, all right. So Corrin and Kanan are dire wolves. Uh, Corrin and Kanan want to negotiate with the players to go get the meat. They say, look, if you kill us, you're not going to find the kids because we have them hidden. They're not, we don't have the kids with us. We were going to tell you where they were. But really, the kids are at this, um, uh, they are at this uh, giant, frost giant lodge. And the, uh, inside the lodge is a uh, grieving mammoth named Norsu. Norsu is also awakened and is slowly starving to death at the feet of his fallen frost giant master. He, you know, all he knows is grief, right? His, this, this is a change, um, Norsu the mammoth. So uh, as the adventure is written, Norsu is like very violent and kind of angry, but I want to play him as sort of just you know, he doesn't like anybody coming into his lair. He doesn't, he, he lives with the wolves. He's not eating wolf meat because he doesn't eat meat. And instead there's a large forest glade, but he hasn't eaten in some time. Um, and he's slowly starving to death because he doesn't know how to deal with his grief because he was just awakened. His mind just woke up. And the first thing he feels is his lifelong companion is dead and he doesn't know how to process this. So the characters have an opportunity to help Norsu understand how to deal with grief. 
which is a pretty powerful topic, right? And if they succeed, Norsu will let them go and Norsu can actually go and sort of recover, leave the, leave the lair and kind of learn how to recover. Um, yeah, it's a poor mammoth friend, right? It's this kind of fun, sad story about this mammoth. Um, and, and they can figure out, you know, how to kind of deal with the situation. And meanwhile, the kids are in there. Uh, there's one trick with the map. So if you look at the map of the frost giant lair, uh, I'm going to modify it. A problem with the map is that if they start in area L1, they can walk right into area L3, get the kids and leave, and they never see the mammoth. So instead, we're going to collapse the entryway to L3. We're going to say that the wolves did it. The wolves collapsed the area to L3 and broke through a hole uh, between L8 and L3. And that way, the characters can either go through L4 and L5 or L2. But however they go, they have to go through L7 and 8. Uh, they also can escape through L8, but they cannot enter through the tunnel. So um, uh, so that way, the, 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 the path of this lair works a lot better when they can't just walk right into the, the, the kids in L3 and have to make their way through the lair. So that's, that's something we're going to do. Uh, that's something we're going to do here. Um, and I recommend, by the way. Uh, so they, they deal with the grief. And, and so that's the situation, right? Instead of saying, like, here's how the players are going to do it, I don't know how they're going to do it. The situation is, and this is all about situational D&D, the situation is two dire wolves, along with a wolf pack of about, about half a dozen other wolves, kidnapped two kids and are blackmailing uh, the town of Dugan's Hole to get 200 pounds of meat, which the town can't afford to lose. The town sends the characters out to go deal with the wolves somehow, but also get the kids back. The wolves have, kid have, have kept the, kid the kids in a frost giant lair uh, in which uh, is a grieving ma awakened mammoth named Norsu. And the characters have to figure out how to deal with the mammoth who could be very violent and very dangerous. Um, or, you know, they can try to help the mammoth uh, deal with his, with his grief. Uh, or they can sneak around and try to get the kids out some other way. Uh, and then eventually, though, they're probably going to have to deal with those wolves, right? Like the, the wolves aren't just going to let them walk out with the kids. So, um, so there is, uh, that's the situation. We laid out in front of the, the players and we see how they deal with it. And, and we figured out. The only modifications I made is I switched the dire wolves. I switched from winter wolves to dire wolves. I added regular wolves. It's a lot easier to balance that because two winter wolves could be just deadly two breath weapons against a group of level sec two second level characters it's just gonna wipe them out so that's not a, that's not cool right that's not fun cool is dire wolves who are hard but not deadly and then regular wolves who are also pretty dangerous for 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 you know low cr one quarter monsters uh, that's why four might be better than six because six with pack tactics and tripping and seven damage a hit they're really dangerous um and then the other thing I modified, so I modified Norsu to make him, um, uh, you know, a grief-filled, a grief-filled awakened mammoth rather than just a, a violent beast. Uh, and I also changed the map up so that uh, the characters have to explore through the giant lodge. They can't just walk in the front door, take out the kids, and walk out. So, um, so I think that'll work better. So that, okay, let's do one last thing, which is treasure. Uh, I don't know if there's any. Oh, the boots, uh, boots of the Winterland, right? So that's a good piece of treasure. I will also drop in a, um, uh, we're going to drop in a relic. So Icewind Dale relic. Uh, what have we got? Cool, cool scroll of Eldeth that casts Finger of Death. Ooh, uh, burned medallion of the tribe of the elk that casts Shocking Grasp. What if the skull of Cyric could cast what? Uh, some kind of necrotic spell. Um, let's go to, uh, let's look at spells, uh, and let's look at, is there, how do I look up just necrotic spells? Uh, let's go to all spells. So Ray, I wanted to cast one powerful spell once, like a third level spell, uh, so advanced filters. I want school necromancy. It could cast animate dead. That would be pretty good, because maybe he can cast animate dead, right? Um, and spell wise, chill touch. Yeah, it's a cantrip though. So I want something more powerful than that. I think we're gonna go with animate dead. Um. 
pile of bones. Uh, so how many can you create? Um, this spell creates an, un, uh, an undead servant. Uh, when you cast a spell, fourth level or higher, you animate and uh, reassert control over two additional undead creatures for each spell slot above third. So that would be three at fourth level or five at fifth level. I think we're going to cast that cast animate dead at fourth level. Uh, does it need a DC or anything? Um, yeah, that's cool. All right. So we got our treasure. Uh, so we have a lot. Like this was a deep episode today because uh, all these like crazy subplots we're, we're putting in here. Um, but I feel good about it. Like I think it's going to be fun. And some of these threads are going to die. Like who knows if they do anything with um, Thrun and, you know, all this other stuff. But we got ones that tied to the character. We got new sort of th threads to go on. We got multiple cults. We've got the Mind Flayer things going. That's kind of on the back burner uh, on top of today's actual adventure. So I got a lot of material to run. I'm going to run it in 40 minutes, and I think we're all set. So I want to thank everybody for coming today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Those of you listening to the podcast, uh, thank you. Those of you watching on YouTube, I hope you dug it. And uh, we will be back again on uh, next Sunday to hear how things went with this adventure and to see where we're going in the future. So thank you all very much. Have a great day and get out there and play some D&D.